This is the first youth service uh, since the summer break, uh, the very first one that's being streamed live, the very first one for me, um, so I guess no pressure, right? Um, our text before I open up in a word of prayer, it's going to come from Psalm 15, and we're only going to look at the first three verses. So I'm going to read it and then open up in a word of prayer. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. Father, Lord, we thank you for just your word of truth. Uh, I just thank you, Lord, that it is active, um, it's living. Um, uh, thank you, Lord, that it, it perishes our hearts and uh, just bring to conviction. And uh, I thank you, Lord, that it is profitable for, for teaching and, uh, and for correction and for training. Uh, so I just pray that as we hear your word, um, that we would certainly uh, not only hear it, but apply it to our lives as well. And as it is in your name we pray. Amen. Just to give a, a premise and a, a, just a, a little introduction before we actually get into it. Before I you know, step into office as youth pastor, uh, it was just on my heart, what should I start off the ignition um, uh, school year with? You know, just what theme, what topic, uh, what's, you know, what is going to be relevant? What does the, the youth and the teens need to, to hear? Uh, what to... I need to hear from the Lord, and what is He working inside my life that um, I need to communicate? Um, and and I thought of you know the Spirit just really laid on my heart. It's just you know, who is God to the youth? You know, is is He just this mystical figure, or you know, we experience God on a Sunday morning, or we experience God when we go to ignition, or we experience God at Sunday school? Is God real, and is God personable. Um, and then along with that, you know, there's a real burden for to me to communicate about purity. And I know it's like, ah, purity again? You know, we go on a purity retreat, we listen to purity DVD videos, it's like purity, 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 purity. you know, it's like, it's like, are you Phil, are you, have you been eating like purity blend bread? You know, it's like every time it's like purity, purity. And, um, and not that it's not profitable for, for, uh, for anyone to pursue uh, purity, um, I just wanted to make sure that it was just not my my own thought, my own thing that I wanted to do. And and it was certainly confirmed over the time before uh, I stepped into office. And and then it was also later in my heart was just God's nature. And, and it really connected to address who God is and who God should be as a believer uh, to us and then tying in also uh, his attribute of holiness, one of many. And so, and so for, for the beginning of the school year, we're focusing on knowing and loving God and his holiness. And, and we're, I'm just going to give a little best background uh, introduction as far as God's holy nature. Um, when you look at it, God's holy nature is the full measure of complete separation from and over all creation. You know, his transcendence is not over just nature, but also moral 
perfection as well. Author W. Pink, who wrote many books, and he had a series like Be Humble, Be Forgiving. Uh, one of his books was Be Holy. And in one of his quotes, he said, He, God, is so, he's referring to his holy nature, because the sum of all moral excellency is found in him. So God's nature, his character, is the absolute embodiment of holiness. Uh, we see in 1 John, you don't have to turn there, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And then in Exodus 15, 11, it talks about God's glorious, uh, his gloriousness and his holiness. And it says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? God's holiness is the full antithesis of all moral failure and moral defilement. So what I mean by that is, I don't know if you've ever been inside a, uh, a nursery or if you remember when you were four or five. For some, of us, for some of us, that was a long time. But if you remember just going to a nursery and just seeing um, the little toddlers playing with the, um, this, this toy where it's, you know, it's, it's shapes, it's circle, square, triangle, rectangle. So you have the, the mold, and then you actually have the object, and you have to get the circle into the, the circle object into the circle. I'm seeing like blank faces like, what are you talking about? Okay. <laughs> so just pretend that you actually saw someone do this. So, I mean, it's, it's a real object. Right? So they have, so this little toddler has this circle object, and they're trying to get into the triangle, and it's like, no, it, it, uh, that doesn't fit. And then they try to get it into the square, and it's like, ah, oh, it doesn't really quite fit. And then they finally get it into the circle mold, and it's like, it fits. And where I'm coming to this is that it's not that we have holiness, and then there's God, and we're like, oh, okay, holiness means this, and God fits into holiness. No, what this is saying is God's character as revealed through his scripture, defines holiness. So um, holiness is not, uh, the standard of holiness is not measured by God, but God is the standard by which holiness is measured. And I'm going to read Psalm 99, and I'm going through all of this just so that we can really grasp the God in which we worship. And with Psalm 15, it's talking about being in the presence of God. Uh, the who is qualified to enter and to live and to be an oppressive God. And, and so I just wanted to us to look at just his character, his holiness. In Psalm 99, you can follow along. The Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim, let the earth shake. The Lord is great in Zion and he is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. The strength of the king loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy, sorry, and worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests, and Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them in the pillar of cloud. They kept his testimonies and the statute that he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, and yet an avenger of their evil deeds. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for holy is the Lord 
our God. As we grow in the knowledge of God as it is revealed through Scripture, moment by moment, we are revealed through Scripture about His glory. Um, and you don't have to turn here, but I, I would wish that our response will be the same as Isaiah responded in his, in his vision of God uh, in Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 5. In the year of King Uzziah's death, Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds tremble at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. God wants us to love him. God wants us to know him. And the more we love God, the more we are drawn. For those who... For those who are in a relationship, for those who are married, uh, when you saw her or when you saw him and it's like this attraction, um, that attraction was, okay, how can I know him or her more? And for believers, being in a relationship with God, uh, that first love should propel us to, to want to know him more. And he wants us to love him and to know him more. Um, and this is a verse that I've been using for our ignition um, teen ministries, and it's in Hosea 6 6. And, and it says, and this is the New Living Translation I want you to show love, not offer sacrifice. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. And with this, our very first ignition class, um, well, not class, our first ignition uh, meeting. I was drilling this for the teens, and I would say who he is, and then they would reply after they memorized the verse, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifice. I want you to know me more than burnt offerings. Now, I have said this twice, so now if I say who he is, the teens should respond. (laughs) Who he is? Isn't that awesome? Just what God wants from us. You know, not just going through the motions, not just showing up to church, not just showing up for choir practice, not just doing, leading a church ministry, not just going through the motions, but truly loving him. And as we love him, we know how it is to love others, truly knowing him more than just going through the motions. And um, so I was going through that with them and, and they were about to throw chairs at me because I was saying it about like 20 times. And I was like, I want you to show love. And I was like, I'm not feeling the love right now. Um, um, but it, it was a great, great time. So that's pretty much the premise of an introduction as far as where we're moving uh, as far as for the, for the youth ministry and the direction that we're going. And studying God's character and focusing on his holiness. Now as we look at Psalm 15, verses 1 through 3, 
um, loving God and knowing God and His holiness. And the question right here that I have for, for the youth and, and for all of us, really, is how does a holy home life impact our lives and the lives of others for eternity? Verse 1, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? The word abide, in some translations, they have sojourn. Um, and when you think of a sojourn, you think of someone that's traveling, someone that's passing through. Um, so here, abide or sojourn gives implication of one who is a guest. And then this question here, of this first line in verse 1, then gives, uh, then signifies who is eligible to be a guest of the Lord in his sanctuary. And then this right here is not necessarily like a temporary um, action. It's not a temporary purpose. And why I say that is when we look at verse, sorry, when we look at the second line, we see who may dwell on your holy hill. Now realizing that the temple they're referring to is the temple and the hill, the holy hill is Mount Zion. Um, and so dwell though communicates permanence. Dwell communicates to live in the place of God's presence. And so we see here, abide and dwell. Who may live, abide, and dwell in the presence of God? So David here poses this spiritual question. And I don't, I don't want to speculate. I don't want to speculate that, you know, he was meditating on the holiness of God or he was uh, looking at proper worship of God or even... Um, focusing on the attitude and heart condition of the believer as it relates to their relationship with God. Uh, but whatever, it, whatever the focus or thought may be, I think our focus should be not necessarily on the building itself, the structure, the temple. Um, and why I say this is because the person who has placed the trust by faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross for their sins and his resurrection from the grave, they themselves are not no longer their own. Uh, we see this in 1 Corinthians six nineteen, and I'll read it for you. Oh, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. And the word temple here that is used, the Greek has two words for temple. Uh, okay, I'm not going to go like super into the Greek and, and Hebrew and, and break down the words and all that stuff. But it's important that we understand what that word uh, means. And so the Greek has two words. The first word is heron. I think that's how it's pronounced. It's H-I-E-R-O-N. And this refers to more of the general temple complex, as in, in the city of Jerusalem. So if someone was to say, I'm going to Calvary Bible Church... You know, we have the sanctuary, we have the Earl Reach Auditorium, and we have, of course, the, the Sunday School building and the CCC over there. So Heron refers to more of the temple uh, complex. Now, the second Greek word, which refers to the Greek word of temple, is naos, which is N-A-O-S. And that refers to more as the temple building. So if someone says, I'm coming to Calvary, Calvary's sanctuary, they were referred to nows. And so in first in first Corinthians chapter six nineteen, it would real or do you not know that your body is the naos of the Holy Spirit, the temple whom you have from God? You are not your own. And why am I why am I like beating this? It's because I just want us to realize, especially for the youth, I just want us I want you to realize that 
not just coming here in these four walls is the only opportunity that we have to enter into the presence of God. It's not just here. Freshly painted, well-decorated walls. Yes, this is where we gather um, as believers uh, collectively to worship. And I'm not saying that at all. But I think even the, the attitude and the heart condition that we step into the sanctuary is the same heart and attitude condition that we need to have when we step out. And, and that's the reason why I refer to 1 Corinthians 6.19. It says that the Holy Spirit, those who are believers, the Holy Spirit is residing in us. So at any moment, with the work that Jesus Christ has done, being our mediator, at any moment, we have access to the presence of God. And because of that, it should affect our home life. Now I'm going to start with, I rearranged my notes, because I was going to start with verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. But I want to start, I started with verse 1, but I want to go to verse 3 and end on verse 2. Because I want to end on a positive note. And not that I, guess I want us to feel good and happy and about ourselves, which is not a bad thing. Um, but I want to spend a whole lot of time on the negatives. And not that it's not important, but we know how to do negative, right? I mean, it's, we, don't, we don't need a training, we don't need a, a training manual um, to do evil. I mean, that's, that's our nature. Uh, aside from the Spirit of God living in us, when we were four or five and, and your mother or father or grandmother or grandmother or auntie or uncle, whomever your guardian was, and they were like, okay, Mr. Lowe, do not take the candy or the cookie or whatever it was out of the jar, right? And I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, right? So it was, it was never, we never had to, like someone never, someone never had to come to us and say, well, Okay, now if you do take the cookie or the cookie jar, and if your folks come and say, Mishlo, did you take the cookie or the cookie jar? For you, you know, don't say, yes, I did. I'm sorry. I apologize. I will never do it again. No, our nature is always bent on, Mishlo, did you take the cookie or the cookie jar? No. Are you sure? No, no, it wasn't me. All along, the cookie crumbles are on my mouth. The honey is on my shirt, right? So, you know, doing evil, just doing the wrong thing is, is our sin nature. It just, it just comes out. So I just want to address verses, I just want to address verse 3 first, and, and then we'll look at verse 2. And I don't want it to be my words. I don't want it to be Michelot's words that, that's communicating. I want it to be the word of God. And so, um, so verse 3 says, as I flip over. He does not slander with his tongue. Slanderous tongue. Proverbs 18, verse 8 says, A gossip's words are like choice food that goes down to one's innermost being. Yum. You know, it's like it just tastes good. Oh, what did she say? You know, it's like, it's like a nice Burger King with all the fixings. And, you know, it's just you can't wait to get it. Um, and, and it's been happening. There's nothing new under the sun. It's been happening for ages, and it continues to happen now. And I think the sad thing is, the norm is that it's happening, or has been happening, and continues to happen, especially within the church. Psalm 39, 1 says, I said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. 
I will guard my mouth as with a muzzle. And in James 38, maybe you remember how, he's, how he, he talks about, you know, these different wild animals are able to be tamed, but no one can tame the tongue. Um, of course, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So whether, so, so whether you're struggling with chronic lying, cheating, bad joke telling, um, cursing, whatever it is, dirty joke telling, you know, just try putting a muzzle over your mouth. Of course, you're going to look strange. Walking down the street, walking in your classroom, you know, with a big leather thing over your mouth. Um, but maybe it's not necessarily the physical muzzle that we need to put on, but the spiritual one uh, that guards our words so that we're not gossiping, so that we're not tearing down um, anyone uh, for any particular reason. Um, and then it goes on and says, Does evil to his neighbor? nor takes up a reproach against his friend. Now, the words neighbor and friend here are used in a synonymous term. term. Uh, contextually, you know, it's definitely referring to the fellow Israelites in general or those who share in the same covenant. Uh, but of course, we know Jesus takes it to a whole other level and says that everyone that you come in contact with is your neighbor and that we all should have love one for another. The OJs, the OJs have a song called Backstabbers, right? It's like, they smile in your face, and all the time they want to take your place. Backstabbers. Okay, see, this is why I sang. Not to prove Denise that I couldn't sing, because Denise was trying to recruit me for the uh, Christmas musical. And so let that be a plug for the men who are here who are able to sing. Um, There's still spots that are available. That wasn't intentional. It just worked perfectly. Um, I'm telling you, it's there. It's written down. Oh, it's typed down. Um, but you guys may say, okay, OJs. You know, who's the OJs? What authority do they have? But let's look at Psalm 28.3. It says, do not drag away with the wicked with those who do evil. Those who speak friendly words to their neighbors or friends while planning evil in their hearts. So by that, Darren, come up. Darren didn't know I was going to do this. All right. So just, 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 follow, just follow my lead. Okay. So, Darren, just ask me how I'm doing. How are you doing, Mr. Lowe? I'm doing great. I can't believe he asked me how I'm doing. It's kind of stunned. It's good. Okay. Hey. Um, hey. Ask, ask me how, how Jen's doing. How's Jen? Well, you know, she's doing great. You know, we're just adjusting to, to new changes and stuff like that. Ask me how Jen's doing. Why is he standing next to me? Um, hey, you remember that party? Tomorrow, tomorrow night? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, remember how it was like, you know, casual dress? Yeah. Well, actually, they changed it. So now it's like just dressed up as the most funky cartoon character ever. Wow. And it's a secret. So you don't tell anyone. You don't need to ask anyone. But just, just dress up funky cartoon character. Yeah. So, so is that going to be okay? I, Absolutely. It's changed. The whole theme has changed. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Right? So then Darren goes to the party, right? And he has on his Flintstone outfit. And then it's, and then it's like business casual. And everyone's like, who is this dude? Right? It's like, what is he thinking? Right? So just think of that. Does evil to his neighbor not takes up reproach or scorn against his friend? Um, 
So think about that. How, how do we craftily um, um, decipher things of to, get, to get at someone because they did something or we don't like them or they said something or someone said they said something about us but we don't really know but we're going to get at them anyway. Why? Why in the scheme of things when we want to access the presence of God that we want to really fit the description of the citizen of Zion who is able to dwell, who is able to abide in the presence of God. And so in all of us to really be that person who qualifies for that, now let's look at verse 2 where it says, He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He who walks with integrity. Integrity here, you know, I'm sure we all know what integrity means. A quality of having strong moral principles, state of being whole, blameless, perfect. Now, not that we're going to be perfect here, uh, as Paul so wonderfully encouraged the believers that the very good work that God has begun in you, he will bring to perfection uh, at, the, at the coming of Christ. And so we are constantly going through a sanctifying process. Um, so it's not like we need to be perfect, right? It's not like you wake up in the morning... And you are just this ball of holiness, right? And it's like, it's like, can't touch this. You know what I mean? Like, I'm holy, you know? Or, or John Cena, you can't see me because I'm holy, right? Um, obviously, no one knows who John Cena is. Um, you're not missing out on anything. Um, right? It doesn't happen overnight, and we won't ever get to that full point of holiness until we are in our glorified bodies, until Christ calls us home. Um, but it still doesn't mean that we don't walk with strong moral principles. When you think of walk, you think of forward motion. You think of a purposeful objective getting to. Um, and what we want to get to is an attitude that's expressed in Psalm 24, verse 4. It says, Who has clean hands and a pure heart? And just a connection with that so that so that it connects. Um, it's like verse 3. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood, nor has sworn uh, deceitfully. And then Isaiah thirty-three fifteen says, Those who are honest and fair, who refuse to profit by fraud, who stay far away from bribes, who refuse to listen to those who plot murder, who shut their eyes to all enticement to do wrong. Um, Mark Driscoll had this illustration that he used in one of his teachings. And, and, and this topic was, uh, I think it was um, sexual temptation. And he said that, you know, single people should always have on, uh, I think it was sprint cleats, right? That's what they call them, cleats, sprint, sprint shoes, cleats, grip, grip, right. All right, so, so cleats like you're going to go for like a 100-meter dash sprint type thing. So every, every single person should have sprints, right? I think for every youth, every person here, um, should, you should wear your sprints, you know, because it says, because when you have your sprints, always, someone say, hey, 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 buddy, you know what, let me tell you something about who so-and-so said, oh, you know what, this is a great idea that we can do to so-and-so because she thinks she's so pretty and all of that. Child, please, right? You know, so, and so you're like, let me think. Then you know what? You have your sprints on. Just sprint. Just run away. And hopefully they'll get the picture because they'll be like, so Donna. And then Donna's like, gone. So Donna, what do you think? You're like, and hopefully by the time you're around the bend, they can't see you 
they'll get a picture that you're not, you, you do not want to be entertained by what their plans are. You want to be honest and fair. You don't, you know, you want to refuse, you want to stay far away from, um, you want to refuse to listen to what their plots are, and you want to shut your eyes to all enticements to do wrong. But not only this, we see it says, and works righteousness. Doing the right thing despite our human impulses to do the just opposite. Um, in Job 29, uh, you don't have to turn there, but in Job 29, verse 14, Job says, I put on righteousness and I clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. Job says, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. Now, this wasn't Job's own righteousness because we know what our righteousness are before God, right? Nothing. But it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ that's in us is what we need to clothe ourselves with, having that attitude. And so as we pursue strong morals, doing the right thing, adorning ourselves with these principles, um, it just follows suit with what Paul was saying in Colossians 3, verses 9 to 10, where he says, put off the old self, the things that you used to do, put those away. Because now you are in Christ, now put on a new self. Put on a new self that fits in the description of the one who may abide, the one who may come before the Lord's presence. And then it says, and speaks truth in his heart. Some translations read, speaks truth from his heart. And then there's another that reads, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. The root meaning of truth here comes from the Hebrew word emeth which gives the, the implication of to be firm, firmness, reliable, trustworthy. Proverbs twelve seventeen says, He who speaks truth tells what is right. That's straightforward, right? But a false witness deceit. And so my question, certainly for the youth and for the rest of us here as well, do we fit the character of the citizen of Zion? Do we fit the qualifications on a day-to-day basis beyond just the sanctuary, but in every facet of our life, starting at home? Because home is where we let our hair down, right? For those who have hair, like I said before, right? And then there are some who actually literally let their hairs down, right? You know, take it off and just like, boom, right? Right? So, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not teasing anyone. I'm just, I'm just working the illustration. That's right. But whom is, but whom is where we, whom is where we are most um, transparent. And, and it's at home that God wants us to, to live out his principles. You know, because as a believer, like I said before, as we identified in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, um, the Holy Spirit's residence is in us as believers, as bona fide disciples of Jesus Christ. And then we have Christ as our high priest who is the mediator. And so we have access to God at any point of time. So it should not be, oh, I wanted to bring a hat, but I forgot. It should not be, okay, I'm stepping into church. Here's my holiness hat. I'm stepping out of church. I don't have my holiness on me. So whether it's at school whether it's at part-time work, wherever it is, 
our heart condition should always be one who walks righteously, one who walks with integrity, sorry, works righteously, and speaks truthfully in his heart. Because then and only then we are able to abide, to dwell, to have sweet communion, sweet fellowship with our almighty God that we've been singing about tonight. And so, I mean, this is a challenge for me as well. It's hard for me, I tell you, it's hard for me coming to church, someone cuts me off. This happens like every single time. We all know this, it's nothing new. But driving on the streets of the Bahamas for me is like one of my greatest struggles. And you can ask Jen. Jen, don't tell them. Um, but just ask her, and she'll say yes, and then that's it. Nothing more. Um, but it's hard, and if someone cuts me off, and, you know, and I'm enraged, I'm like, you dumb idiot. Why are you, you know, it's like you should just smash into something and, and learn your lesson. And then, you know, I try to make it nice, you know, and say, well, you know, I don't want him to die. I just want him to learn his lesson. And then I pull into the church parking lot, and I'm like, holiness, holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. I want to be holy, right? It's like, again, that, that actually sounded better. But anyway, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not auditioning for the musical thing. I'm just auditioning to say that I really can't sing. Well, thank you for obliging. But what I'm getting at is that when you look back at Psalm 15, it says, O oh Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? And for us today, who are believers, who have the Holy Spirit, who is from God living in our lives, we should be able to fit the description of he who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. And there's many more that goes on in the verses to follow, but only the first three that I wanted us to focus on. So a challenge for all of us, for the youth, and for us here is that starting at home. And what does, that mean, what does that mean for us adults? With me as a youth pastor, I need to model that. I need to model what holiness looks like. As the Sunday school teacher needs to model what holiness looks like. As the, the parent, the mother, the father, the grandfather, the grandmother, model what holiness looks like. Because as the youth, as I challenge you to pursue that, then now you have a tangible model as you read the Word of God that instructs you to live a holiness, you have a tangible model to look to and be like, oh, that's how it looks like. So I challenge us all. Let us walk with integrity, work righteously, and speak truthfully before our holy God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for tonight, and I thank you, Lord, for your word. And Father, I certainly haven't attained it yet. Uh, I just pray... Um, and thanks for your grace that I'm able to, by your grace, as you sanctify me day by day, uh, to actively purpose by the strength of your spirit to pursue holiness. And I just pray, Lord, that each teen here today and each person, each parent, um, um, each teen will pursue that as well, and each adult, each parent will model that uh, so that together we will glorify your holy name so that we will be so satisfied with you that you will be so glorified in us. And it's in your name we pray.
Amen.